This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. I have been waiting all week to have this conversation. I have a guest today who I started following on Instagram and was like, is this girl even real? She is just so sparkly and glossy and just, I mean, she just sucked me right in. I was buying whatever she was putting down. We all have those girls on Instagram. And so it's always fun when I get one on the line and we actually get to dig in and have a real raw, honest conversation. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Quigley. Yep. That's right. I said it. Quigley is her name. Her mission is to inspire mindfulness in human relationships through a vibrant and exciting visual narrative of lifestyle-driven content. You have to head over to her Instagram page, officially Quigley. Did I say that right? You did. Okay. Head on over. I mean, every picture that she posts in addition to the real raw ones that she often shares as well and interweaves is like straight out of Vogue, but she's doing it with, you know, wearing H&M and in her backyard and like these also exotic locations, which we'll get into. But this girl has creativity oozing out of her. She said it herself in the bio that she sent me, her art teacher chic or glamour style, which is like the glamorous grandma style, is poppin'. She's intent on inspiring women of all ages to take risks with their personal style. So today we're going to talk a little bit about what it takes to build a lifestyle blog and platform like she's built. We're going to talk about perfectionism. We're going to talk about personal style. We're going to talk about, uh, of course, behind the highlight reel, as we always do. So without us getting any further into this whole conversation quickly. Thank you for being here. Erin, oh my gosh, my face literally hurts from smiling so hard after that incredibly generous and thoughtful introduction. Thank and you. You have the most beautiful smile I've ever seen. Are you ever not smiling? And are you ever not wearing your insanely incredible red lipstick? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I love smiling and I love my, I married my husband because he makes me laugh. And so, I mean, that's not the only reason, but it's one of them. Yeah. But 100% of, of course, there are times when I'm not smiling, <laughs> but I do like to smile. You and your husband are the cutest together. I feel like everyone who's listening to this right now, unless you're driving or whatever, just pause episode, go to her Instagram page to get a feel of who she is before we dive into this conversation, because I think it will give you some amazing context. I think that so often when we see lifestyle fashion bloggers and this kind of curated Instagram feed, we have this perception, even if like as adults, we know that it's not real, that this is life all the time for these individuals. <laughs> so, I mean, I think a lot of people say, well, oh, we know that it's not real, but at a subconscious level, we still feel at some capacity that it's real life. Can you take us a little bit behind the highlight reel of your social media platform to talk a little bit about 
you know, what it's taken to build this thing, what it means to you? So it's really interesting deciphering to me, like, what is real and what is fake? Because to give you my honest opinion, I don't believe in being fake. Like, I just don't think it's a thing. We all make a genuine attempt to display something and that's real. Yes. So when people accuse other people of, of being fake, it's like, they're not necessarily fake. The curated stuff they're putting out there could be their real art or their real creative expression or their real desire of how they want to present themselves. And it might not be the, the big picture, but I feel frustrated when I see people accuse other people of like not being authentic or not being real because it's like we all like if, if you're not real, it's coming from a place of insecurity and that deserves compassion, not someone pointing their finger at you saying you're not real. <laughs> hmm. Yes. So yeah, so that's my first bit on that. And then the second bit is that when I started my Instagram, I was actually pursuing music at the time. And I started posting photos of my outfits and of photo shoots that I did to actually promote my music. And so at the time, it was this creative outlet that was supplementary to my music project. And I was building this identity around my music. And so I wasn't necessarily going into it thinking, oh, I'm just documenting my life. I was actually going at it from a, how do I curate this persona to mm -hmm. fit my music? And so then as I got deeper and deeper into it, for me, it wasn't like, oh, I'd show up at a cafe and I would, you know, post a photo of a coffee. It was oh, how do I find the coolest photographer and the coolest location and find the craziest outfit and just create beautiful visual stuff? It's like you have these dreams and visions in your mind and you're creating them in real life. And that is such a beautiful thing. Thank you. So when I started at A, I had no intention of it becoming a business. It was just my creative outlet on the side that I loved to do. And I considered it to kind of be a part of you know, my pursuing the music industry. And then as I worked with more photographers and created more and more images, every time I would post about a brand, for example, that I was wearing, then that brand would repost me and I started to slowly see my following grow. Then, you know, I don't know, maybe a year or so after I'd started doing that, I started getting brands reach out to me asking if, if I would post about their stuff. That's kind of how that happened. And so sometimes I'll look at other people's blogs that clearly are like narrating their real life and I'll actually get overwhelmed and sort of a, a bit of an identity crisis, even at this stage in my career, because I approached it from such a different angle. Now I'm kind of going back and really challenging myself to think about the app in different ways not just necessarily being my visual creative outlet, but also documenting my real life. And that's more of a challenge for me, whereas for most people, that's what the app was made for. Right. That is such a challenge for me too. It's not that I don't want to engage and connect with the audience, but to always have my phone on and to like try and make things look presentable or whatnot is exhausting to me. But when I started shifting my mindset to what is my purpose behind this platform? What message do I have to say? And can every post intentionally fit behind that message? It felt a lot easier to me. And what you're saying is that initially you knew your why behind 
Instagram right away. It was to help promote your music and to create a brand around that. And now you're almost shifting the other way to see whether or not you can share more of your life. That's so interesting. I had a pretty big aha moment, I would say, where there was a real turning point for me in terms of creating because for the first maybe year or maybe year and a half that I was considering myself to be a content creator slash influencer and getting paid for promoting products, I was still very in it for the visuals. And I was still very focused on like, how do I art direct a shoot? How do I get the most crazy location and the craziest outfit and just make something beautiful? And I hit a wall because I was super burnt out and I was really exhausted with this comparison that kept growing. And I kept thinking like, you know, how come I can't get to a certain level and how come I can't grow my audience as fast as other people? Or like, I kept comparing myself to other people in the industry and trying to shift my content to be like more like theirs. And I had this like wake up call. I don't know exactly what triggered it, but I realized that I was so busy trying to be like what I thought a fashion blogger should be that I forgot to really be myself. And I went back to the why of why I started writing music in the first place. And that was really to inspire and empower women. And I was feeling this emptiness in my work. And I decided that I really needed to take a step back from IG and really think about what I was doing on that platform. So I went back to Minnesota for a little while, which is where I'm from, um, and spent some time at home with my family. My mom is actually a doctor in education and um, runs a school district in Minnesota. And she has my entire life surrounded me with psychology books and self-help books and really been a champion for self-advocacy. And so I kind of surrounded by all those books in those in her living room was like, hey, like, let's go back to the roots and maybe read You Are a Badass over again or something like that. And realized that I was just not showing up on the platform in the way that I knew I could. And that is that I'm a writer. I started writing music because I love writing. But Instagram, I was I was viewing as a visual platform. I, I didn't think that people wanted to read stuff that I wrote in my caption. So I would just try and make my captions like little short snippets, like witty one-liners. Because that's what all my idols were doing. And that's what the other fashion bloggers were doing. That's what I thought I should do. And so when I realized that I was kind of depriving my audience of the real gift that I felt like I had to offer them, that's when I started writing longer captions. And I started actually leading into my photo shoots with thinking about the concept of what I wanted to say rather than what I wanted to show people visually. Wow. Everyone needs to just rewind that and listen to it again because it is so important. And let me tell you, there are so many girls who are using Instagram and who are in that space of wondering if there's a right way to do it and should I be following this person? And we hear actually often from coaches, like find somebody who's doing what you want to be doing and just follow their recipe. But we have to remember to insert some of our own creativity and our own self into that. Otherwise, you know, we lose our individuality. There's actually this amazing book called Steal Like an Artist. Have you read it? I have not read that one. No. It kind of talks about how your unique gift and your unique art is actually a compilation of stealing from all your favorite artists and combining it because no one's going to have that exact recipe. 
take a little bit from everyone. Yeah, take and and you see that all the time on social media where it's like somebody's done something and then you see another version of it and then you kind of pull it in and create your own version of it. It, it happens constantly and some people, you know, say they're stealing my idea or they're stealing my content. I feel like creativity when you're really tapped into it is ever flowing. I could talk for a full hour about how I don't believe in stealing. Like stealing isn't real. Like none of us possess ideas. We don't own them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a whole nother can of worms. It's a whole nother podcast episode. Yeah. Amazing. So you went back and you really identified your why and your strengths and what you wanted to start to use Instagram for, which is so important when, you know, so many people are feeling like they just mindlessly scroll. And then what happened when you started doing that? So one of the first posts that I did was actually, I had this overwhelming fear that if I wasn't in a beautiful ball gown in front of a castle, like my photo wouldn't get likes. And so I decided to just do a post where I wasn't wearing any makeup and I was in my backyard and I was just talking about that specific fear if it's just me stripped down alone in my backyard, will it be enough? And, you know, it was part for the audience, but it was part also just for myself. It was cathartic and therapeutic to write those words. And that kind of started the beginning of this spiral of me just opening up and being more honest and being more vulnerable with my audience, even though I had a million voices screaming, oh, they're going to say you're doing this just for attention or blah, blah, blah. I did it anyways. And I just, I made more genuine and deeper connections with my audience than I ever have before. And that just started the snowball effect of these relationships building and this community building of these strong, beautiful women who I talk to like all the time. Now we, I have so many people that I literally voice memo and like video message over DM on the daily. And I do attribute that to that shift that I have made. It's such a brave step to put yourself out there, especially when you've been creating all of these photos where, as you said, you're in like ball gowns and castles to just strip it all back and let people see another version of you, another side of you. As you said, it's not like real or fake or anything like that. There's, It's just different sides of us. We all have so many different sides and so many different pieces. So it's beautiful that you are able to share that and show that with other women. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Robbie Detox. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. I'm going to push pause for a second to remind you that if this information is resonating with you, I am a health and wellness coach who is trained to help you create healthy habits that stick that are going to support you in living your best life. I work with you to help you get crystal clear on where you want to go. And then with a whole lot of love and of course, a little ass kicking, I'm going to help you get out of your own way so that you can get there. I'll help you overcome limiting beliefs, build healthy habits, and I'll give you the tools to ensure you have an amazing relationship with food and your body. No more dieting, way less self-criticism, no more brain space wasted on what you ate or what you're going to eat or how that cellulite might look on your next vacation. 2020 is your year, and if you're feeling like it's already slipping through your hands, click the link in the show notes right now to apply for coaching with me. I can't wait to meet you. Can you tell me a little bit about the process of designing some of these shoots? Because when I'm looking at your page, I'm like, how does this girl possibly have this much content? Are you doing photo shoots every day, like multiple times a day? Where do the clothes come from? Like, I I need all the details. Give me the juice. Yeah, I mean, it's (laughs) it's definitely evolved over the years. Now I have two employees who help a ton. And I also try and talk about that as much as I can on my social page so that people understand it's not just me. I guess right now we have kind of a system in place where I would say the thing that comes first is probably the clothing. We will either get a brand partnership or we will get gifting from a brand that we really admire and adore and want to champion. Or it's just stuff that I've gone out and bought that I'm really excited about and I want to share with people. And so I would say it's about 50-50 in terms of when we shoot, what's organic versus what's sponsored and paid for. And a lot of times the sponsored content gives us the ability to shoot more organic, which is unpaid content. Because, And this is what I think I really want to drill home with people that aren't very familiar with the influencer space. When an influencer posts an ad, that gives them the luxury and the ability to post a lot of non- ads because it allows them to have an income so that they can on their off days be creative for you for free. And so like with my shoots, a lot of them were actually planned around when we do have sponsored opportunities come up because I can use part of that budget to pay for my photographer for the day. And maybe maybe I just have one sponsored post so it's just one photograph, but in that budget I can hire a photographer for the full day and maybe get like 
a week or two weeks worth of content even in that one day. So yeah, so I mean, it's really important for people to, I guess, sort of understand that when it comes to sponsored content. It's like, I always think of it as like you're you're reading a magazine, right? Yes. And I think that there can be judgment around that. And I notice on my page when I have a sponsored post or an ad, it gets a fraction of the likes. And I'm like, you guys, you know what? I've been doing this for seven years, putting out free content. Could you give it a like and a comment? Because this is how I can (laughs) afford to keep doing this is by working with brands that I love and trust. And I will never introduce you to somebody who I don't fully wholeheartedly believe in. But like, (laughs) I need you to show up for the ads as much as you show up for me so that I can keep showing up for you. Yeah, I will say people are warming to it and understanding it more. And the more we are open and the more we talk about it and are honest about it, the better. I actually saw this food blogger recently do an IGTV saying why I turned down 70K in 2019 and essentially like showed his audience the cumulative number of the amount of jobs he said no to just to show like the impact of look, yes, we say yes to some ads, but we also say no to a butt ton of ads so that we can maintain the integrity of our brand. Yeah. Like 70 K that's a whole, that's a whole year's salary for some people. I know. And I'm thinking already in 2020, I know that I've passed on over 10 K worth of partnerships Raw didn't even make money last year, but I'm still like so committed to keeping this brand authentic and I know that we'll grow and we'll get there. So it's not worth it to me. And you can tell, you can tell when people are, you know, taking the fast cash and when they're not. So, I mean, I guess we're just doing a little plug for ourselves right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, I'll get back. I'll get back to your actual question was how do we plan these shoots? Okay. So the clothing generally, I feel like comes like first. I'll maybe be scrolling online. I'll see something that catches my eye. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I have to shoot that. So I'll reach out to maybe the, um, it used to be the PR director, but now it's like whoever handles influencer relations on their marketing team. I'll find that contact. I'll reach out. I'll say, do you have any gifting available for influencers? If they do, great. If they don't, I'll just buy it. And then I'll shoot it. I might get like, an outfit that screams Joshua Tree or an outfit that set like screams must be downtown, must be by the beach. And then I'll sort of start to visualize how I want it to come together. A lot of the times my assistants will make Pinterest boards and then we'll kind of review those and go, okay, yeah, this vibe works for this. This doesn't work for that. Sometimes the ideas will come from like if I'm reading a book or listening to a podcast and I have something really important that I want to say, and then I'll kind of dream up the visuals to go with that specific content. If I'm going on a trip, a lot of the fun concepts come about just being inspired by the specific place that I'm going. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a compilation of of things. So when you do a shoot and say you have a photographer booked for the day, you said that you could shoot up to five outfits, six outfits. I feel like I would change into one outfit in that time and do my makeup again. Are you like power changing and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we will style the outfits in advance and take pictures and just, you know, steam everything before we go, pack up everything in the car. Generally, we'll try and keep it to like one part of town. Like we're not zipping between Malibu and downtown. Like, <laughs> right. you know, we're, we're, we're going to stick to one sort of area. 
And nowadays, I pretty much maybe will only shoot like four looks in a day. But back in the day when I was hustling, mm, sometimes I'd shoot like 20 looks in a day. What? The hustle is real. (laughs) Yeah. And so now it's a little bit more chill. And I like to be a little bit more thoughtful about each location and what I'm trying to accomplish. Very cool. So when you're out there on the street and you're taking these pictures, and this is like real life, I mean, you are the girl who's like in front of the coffee shop having a full on photo shoot while people are drinking coffee and things. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get nervous? Are you ever like thinking about what are people thinking right now? No, absolutely (laughs) not. I don't, you know, because I just have so much confidence in my brand and my business. And I know deep down in my soul that what I'm doing is really helpful to people and is a real valuable tool and asset. And I just think the power of social media is just, it's such a beautiful time to be an artist and to be able to creatively express yourself and reach an audience that, I don't know, I just, the the judgment can't touch me. I just visualize like a invisible shield. And also it's like, I don't know, I find it kind of comical, the people that get upset about it. Comical. I find it kind of comical. Like, why do you care? No, totally. It's way more a reflection of how they're feeling on the inside versus you. I wouldn't care about the other people. I just get, well, I guess I obviously would. Say I'm out and I have to do like a video. I'm hoping to learn from you in this situation. Okay. Teach me your ways. And I want to do a quick video. Like, Often when I go for my run, I have my most clear ideas and I would love to just pop on and do like a quick like coaching learning or something like that. I feel shy and nervous that other people are going to be looking at me like holding my phone up and talking to my phone. And but I need to just get I need to just get past that. I just need to start doing it, don't I? Yeah, I mean, I will say have some compassion for yourself because it's not natural. It doesn't feel natural for any of us to be speaking to a digital device. Like that is not something that our DNA is hardwired to be like used to. So A, it's chill. And also remember, I don't know if you know this about me, but I started in broadcast journalism, got my degree in broadcast journalism, worked at a television station. So there are certain facts that you might not know about people that make it easier for them to speak in front of a camera or in front of a phone or out in public. I did so many events back in the day that I was working for the television station where I would have to do crazy things out in public that it's nothing phases me. I mean, singing on the stage of American Idol, like I've been criticized by Simon Cowell. I've been called out on TMZ. If some troll wants to come at me on Instagram or in person, I'm like, whatever. (laughs) Okay, hold on. I did not know that you were on American Idol. (laughs) Yeah. Is there a video of it anywhere that we can see? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. We're going to link to this in the show notes. What did Simon say to you? Oh, just that I was atrocious. But this was at the semifinals. So I he already like said nice things to me like a bajillion times. But when I got kicked off, it was I was atrocious. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And in that moment, were you just like, as you are now, just so confident and laughing it off? Or did that hurt? Oh, my God, no, it hurt. I was so young. I was 20. And now I'm 31. So it was a very long time ago. It really hurt. I felt very humiliated. I was really disappointed because I was the last cut before the top 12. And I didn't get to go on tour with my friends, which was really disappointing. And honestly, I thought to myself, 
I don't know if I can ever put myself out there like that again. And I went back to Minnesota. I finished up my degree. And to be honest, you know, once I got back to Minnesota and I felt a little safe in, in my little community of people who were just cheerleading me on, I felt okay. But I just, it took me a while to gain the courage to put myself back out there again. And I, it wasn't until 2015. So let's see, the show was 2008. And then 2015 was when I started my blog and like really started putting myself out there again. So it did take some time. Wow. That is so incredible that A, you put yourself out there at 20 and that you, there, is music still part of your life? Oh, 100%. I'm listening to music like at all hours of the day. I still write a little bit, but I haven't been as gung-ho about it just because my current job takes so much of my bandwidth. But I do feel in my bones that like I will put out more music at some point, hopefully in this in this decade. Can you start sharing your music on your platform? Can we see that side of you more? Oh my God, thank you for asking. And I do talk about it with my audience. I do, I have said a lot of times, like I don't sing on my platform. It's kind of weird. I'm still not ready. And you know, everybody's got their thing. And that's just one thing that I don't really know how to communicate with it yet. I sing on my stories all the time. But I haven't like just sat down and like done a singing post. So in my 20s, I actually started producing my own music, which was when I really started to fall in love with the process of writing music was when I could, you know, be just me, myself and my laptop coming up with sounds and art directing the music, so to say. And so then I sort of like, I don't know, it's not that I don't like singing, but I I'm more into the production side of things. And that's kind of just more tricky to showcase on social media, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Fair. Yeah. I'm probably just an excuse, but. <laughs> also just do it. Yeah. Also yeah. Just do it. <laughs> I can see like, I'm just picturing this totally like simple video of you sitting in a chair just as you are singing for the first time, like no highly produced anything, which I know would be hard for you because you're a self-described perfectionist. Oh my and God, Karen, <laughs> if, if I do, if I do this and you're the one to recommend it, I'm just going to thank you now in advance. Oh girl, I want that so badly. It would be like heaven. And I feel like please do it. Get back on the stage. And you've got this audience now. We all adore you. And we're all going to be cheering for you and rooting for you. And I feel like, yeah, everything that I heard was more fear-based than, you know, just doing it. I know. I agree. I'm on the other side talking about how I can't even do a damn IG story while I'm out in public. Like I said, we all have have our things. And at least you and I are self-aware about it. Well, I'm committing to showing up. I'm going to start doing more videos and I'm going to have you in the back of my mind saying, just don't care. It's more about them. Get your message out there. Do your thing. Share your craft. So I want to touch quickly on perfectionism because I know this is something that you've struggled with. And it's something that so many of the girls that I, I work with struggled with, myself included. Tell me a little bit about where you're at in that journey of perfectionism. I think it's such a a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ambitious, creative people. We just have this fire burning in our souls to be the best and to not settle. And once you start to get that validation for having put out your best work, it gets addicting and you really start to want to continue to outdo yourself. And 
that is a lot of pressure and we put it on ourselves and I put it on myself and it's just not sustainable to live your life continuously one-upping yourself. I had to reach multiple burnouts to realize that kind of living just isn't sustainable. Even though I could do it, it's just not sustainable. And I really just wanted to get to a place with my job and with my workflow where I wasn't going through these high highs and lows, where I wasn't so volatile. You know, I'd go through these periods where I was extremely inspired, writing every day, shooting every day. And then I would go through these lulls where I just didn't want to get, get out of bed. And so I knew that wasn't healthy. And so I just had to take a look at that perfectionism and say, how is this serving me? And how is this serving my audience? And the fact of the matter was it, it wasn't. And so I think showing up without makeup was one of the first steps that I took. Talking about my fears and insecurities was another big step that I took. And as I did that, I started to realize that people relate to the crazy, fun, happy stuff, but they relate even more when they see the big picture. And once I started to see those people come out of the woodwork and say, we're so thankful you're showing us this. We're so thankful to be more involved in your life. We relate to X, Y, Z. Then I was like, okay, well, now I'm really making the kind of impact that I've always wanted to make. So I'm not going to stop here and I'm going to keep pushing myself out of my comfort zone to let go of that perfectionism. I love that. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. At some level, your perfectionism has propelled your creativity, right? It's, it's what has made you successful in some capacity, but it can also be a total cage and it can kill creativity mm-hmm. as well. So how, you know, you talked about sort of just doing the thing that you were scared of doing and that that can break you free from that perfectionist nature. But for those people who are struggling with it, who are like, well, you know, I don't want to give up my edge. I don't want to just become lazy. I don't want to just do a mediocre job. How can you monitor when your perfectionism is starting to kill your creativity versus propel you forward? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of artists, will push and push and push and push themselves to the point where they start to resent their work. I did that with music and I started to do it with blogging. And I think that's when you know, if you're starting to resent creating, you need to take a step back because it's supposed to be a beautiful expression of our hearts and our souls. And when it's hurting, that's not serving an audience if it's hurting for you. If you're starting to resent it, take a step back. And the biggest way to snap out of that mindset is just simply at the end of the day, does this provide value? Whether it is an extremely produced, incredibly beautiful photo, or just a snapshot from your iPhone, if you have something to say, it's going to be valuable no matter what. Yeah, it's not just relatable, though, to artists. It's like, motherhood. It's the person who's working on their Excel spreadsheet at a bank and like has to have everything perfect. And it's the person who's scared to start working out because what if I fail? Like, what if I can't stick to the routine that I create for myself? When we set these incredibly high standards for ourselves that are almost unreachable, sometimes we can freeze in the pursuit of even trying or of getting there. Or in your case, and as I've experienced myself, burning out because Mm -hmm. you're constantly pushing, pushing, pushing. One thing that I love that you've been talking about lately is 
the journey that it's taken you to getting to where you are now, the amount of time, the number of posts that you've had to do, the number of creative shoots you did before you started being able to sustain your business. Like in this world where everything's so immediate and where we're seeing these insta famous individuals, there's also along with that this idea that it can be created very quickly. I'd love it if you could speak a little bit to this conversation. Yeah, well, I think maybe that came about because I'm sure this has happened to you. But in the past, I would be on Instagram, maybe on my explore page, I'd come across an account. Doesn't matter if it's an influencer or a model or an actress or just someone who's famous in some way or another. And they would have like 5 million followers. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> Who's this? Yeah. Never heard of this person. Yes. Why do they have 5 million followers? <laughs> but then in that moment, it feels like since I like just discovered them in the space of a minute, it feels like they just came out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. I've for sure done that, too. So I think that's why <laughs> that's why our brain like immediately goes, oh, they came out of nowhere. When in reality, they've been building. We just haven't seen the journey because no, who's going to scroll back to the very beginning of their feeds? No one. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> You know what? I started doing that sometimes. I took yeah. the people that I, you know, really admire or the people who are kind of where I want to be. So Rachel Hollis, Marie Forleo, and mm -hmm. I did myself a favor. I took a moment to scroll back or to like go back to their first YouTube video. It was the best thing I could have ever done for myself. Erin, that's such a good exercise. We should recommend pe other people do that. Everyone started somewhere. Marie Forleo is like sitting on her couch with awful lighting in this like tank top 10 years ago, which uh, now I understand 10 years is not really that long. She's sitting with her computer. She's got pulled up somebody's email. It's being shot on a phone. And it's so simple. And like now look at her selling out arenas and like coach to Oprah Winfrey. So yeah, it's amazing her. what you find when you actually do scroll back. What would some of your first photos on Instagram be like? Oh, my first photo on Instagram was of a cup. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're kidding me. Not kidding. And I still have it on my feed. You can uh, scroll all the way back. I didn't archive a single thing. It was of a cup. And like the second one was of like the bodyguard soundtrack. I took a picture of the bodyguard soundtrack and I just put it up. Yes. And it, it's so cool to see the evolution as well of like your creative expression. And probably it started out as a more personal thing and then evolved into your music. It's very cool to see people's journey on on Instagram and the growth. <laughs> I realized though that like people aren't going to necessarily take the time to do that. So I started doing every once in a while a little carousel post of the evolution of my craft so that people could see that. I didn't just pop up out of nowhere. Like <laughs> I've been slaving away at this for a while and it's really like it's evolved so much. It really has. And I love that you're reminding people of that to have patience because I think so often when people are starting to explore their creativity or to try something new, there becomes this expectation that I need to achieve it immediately. And then a lot of disappointment if it doesn't come right away. Oh, I've had so many people slide into my DMs being like, how do I grow my audience? And I've tried everything and it just won't grow in the way that I want it to. And I'll look at their page and their first post was like from 2018. And I'm like, 
okay, um, the only thing you haven't tried is patience. <laughs> take time. Yes. Persistence, dedication, time, all the things and hanging in there. So thank you for reminding everyone about that. Yeah. I'm curious to know for you, and there's a lot of conversation about fast fashion right now and being more mindful about clothes and our outfits and our consumption with environmental crisis that's going on right now. What do clothes and makeup mean to you in your life? Oh, that's a beautiful question. I think it's, re it's really hard to separate the identity that we form as children around makeup and clothing from like our actual selves. I think that there's no way to remove that like socialization aspect of it where as women, we are taught to be or look or feel or dress or do our makeup in a certain way. I do feel in my core, and I told this to my mom when I was a little girl, I used to leave my clothing all over my floor in my bedroom. And most little kids would like not be able to get away with their room being a total disaster, like looked like a tornado hit it. But I told my mom, and I was very convincing in this, I said, Mom, I need to have my clothes all over the floor because I am an artist and I need to see my palette. <laughs> so cute. You knew. She was so taken aback. Yeah, she, she, was, she was so taken aback. She was like, okay, go for it. <laughs> oh, so it's something that you've been passionate about for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, I would get into like I, some of my favorite memories as a kid. She had this huge plastic tub of makeup in the bathroom and I would just sit on the floor and I would paint my face blue. And it was just a form of creative expression for me. So I kind of like as much as I could beat myself up about the fact that I have a room full of clothing, I kind of like to think of it as just not being a bully to myself and just saying, you know, this is your art and this is your palette and this is your medium. And that's okay. But and I also am excited about there are a few different clothing brands that I've been working with lately that have really made some strides in sustainable fabrics. And I'm for the first time in my life, I would say I'm really diving into learning much more about that than I have in the past. Spell is one of those brands. Cezanne is another one of those brands, Reformation. And so I'm making a transition into supporting and really championing those brands because I think that that's the future of fashion and then also with the clothing that I shoot and I don't use anymore we um, have a consignment shop that we sell some of it back to and then the rest goes to women's shelters so we I feel good about that amazing I'm also loving seeing on the red carpet, and this was especially present at the last Academy Awards, is some women wearing the same dress that they wore five, six, seven years ago. Ariana Huffington, somebody who has been sort of promoting this, saying, if you have a dress that you absolutely love and you feel good in, please wear it again. I love please that. Please show up in it again. That's amazing. You don't have to wear something once and then dump it. That's powerful. I love that. Tell me, what does self-love mean to you? Oh, that's such a good question. Self-love to me means being your own best friend. And it means having compassion for yourself. It means speaking to yourself in your head with love and with trust. 
too often we are kind of drill sergeants to ourselves. And I think that that's just something we've been socialized to do to shame ourselves or to like chastise ourselves. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really work to use like scare tactics in your own head to motivate you. I think our motivation is much more powerful and sustainable when it comes from a place of love. So self-love is being your own best friend. It truly is. That's such a beautiful way of putting it and such a simple way for people to kind of start to activate it in their own life. How would you treat your best friend? How would you speak to your best friend? It's perfect. How can our audience connect with you further? How can they find your feed so that they can see when you start putting your music out again um, and so that they can cheer you on? (laughs) Oh my gosh, for sure. Well, my handle is at officially Quigley and my website is officiallyquigley.com. And then I also have a online class that I put out last year called Social Media. The handle for that is The Social Media, S-O-U-L. And that is a class that I put out. It's kind of like an intermediate class for content creators with an emphasis on self-care and more of the psychological side of creating content. Amazing. I'll make sure that we link to that in the show notes for anybody who's interested. It sounds right up our alley over here at Raw Beauty Co. Okay. Last question. It's always a bit of a doozy. If you were to die today, but you had a moment to write an email that was going to land in the inbox of every woman's mail, what would you say? Oh my gosh, that is a lot of pressure. (laughs) Oh, I would say do the shit that scares you. Yes. And then that means I have to hold my word to that and just go sing on Instagram now. (laughs) Yes, it does. Oh, okay. Well, we are all rooting for you. We will all be there cheering you along. Everyone head on over to at officially Quigley so that we can watch her doing the thing that scares her most and so that we can send her all the love while she's doing it. Thanks again, Quigley, for joining us. Thank you so much, Erin. If you listen to this podcast and found it interesting, if you know you want to have a conversation with somebody about some of the stuff that we talked about, if you're feeling ready to do your own thing that scares you, I want you to click on it and share it with somebody that you care about to help us spread the word and spread the message. This podcast is created for you and the ones that you love. As always, take what you need and leave the rest behind. I can't wait to see you beauties next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.